it's not supposed to be this way. This is the third um, sermon in this series. And as we know, um, just looking around, um, news, looking around the country, looking around the world, or even maybe in our own families, maybe even our own lives, we realize it is not supposed to be this way. There's something wrong with how this world is. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago. That gives a good description of what it is supposed to be like. There is supposed to be justice for all. Uh, People are supposed to be able to uh, just walk down the street peacefully without any fear of uh, strange things happening. And we aren't supposed to be getting these amber alerts on our phones when children go missing. It's It's not supposed to be this way. And at some day in the future, when Christ comes back to restore everything, it will be like that. But in the meantime, there's a problem with this world. And what is the problem? It is uh, that old-fashioned word, uh, sin. The problem with this world is sin. And it's our sin. It's other people's sin and how that affects us. And it's also our sin and how our sin affects us and affects the world and those around us. So we don't often like to use that word, but we're using that word regularly over these few weeks. Um, And we're talking about sin. Last week, uh, we talked about a specific sin that probably is um, a shared experience by most of us, and today we'll be doing that as well. We have uh, set-free retreats, and during some of the set-free, um, during some of that, that the time on the weekend, we go through a list of uh, possible sins that maybe we, we have issues with or that we are guilty of, and then we just ask, you know, could you just check that off, and then let's confess, because... God is so gracious and compassionate and loving, and he just loves to forgive. So let us confess our sins so we can receive forgiveness. And uh, we, when we get to this one that we're talking about today, I just say, you know, everyone, just check it off. Like, you don't even have to think about it. And that is uh, the sin of anger. It's probably something we've all um, committed We've all struggled with. We all get angry at times. And so can you just check that one off? That's what we talk about. And so let's confess that and let's get this straight. But I know it's, uh, we need to de- define this a little bit and, and make this a little clearer because the question then is, is anger really a sin? Is anger sinful? Is it, is it only a sin sometimes? Or is it, is it always sin- sinful? Because like God, gets, God gets angry, right? We see in the scriptures. God was, so if, is God sinning? You know, and um, even God's anger is talked about over 50 times in the book of Romans alone. So, uh, for example, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the, the nifty thing, if you can get this on your phone, we'll get it working for everyone, you can just click on the, the link. It'll bring up the Romans passage. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness, and we talked about godlessness uh, last time, and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. This is just one example of God's wrath or God's anger. And we see it many times throughout Scripture, uh, don't we? Um, so if God is, is angry, if God gets angry, um, are we not allowed to get angry? Right? We, we are to imitate God, are we not? And so the question then is, is our anger sin? And there is a difference most of the time, if not all of the time, between God's anger and our anger. God's anger is directed towards sin. It's directed toward injustices. And we see um, in, the, in the Old Testament, as we read about God's wrath and God's anger being revealed, he's angry because people are not uh, loving him or loving their neighbors. It comes down to those two things. They're, they're treating people unjustly. They're not um, taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. 
and he gets angry at the injustice. Or they, they are not, um, they're just taking uh, all his blessings for granted, and they are not loving him. If they're not, not loving God or loving others, uh, it would bring God uh, to anger. For us, when we get angry, our anger is, anger is often different. We, we feel, you know, I'm not, I'm not angry, I'm just uh, getting even. That's what we say. We're, we're there for revenge, or, or there's something about our anger that it's not directed towards injustice in this world, necessarily. Usually, it's a result of something else. And so we'll get to talk a little bit more about that as well. We also think, well, if anger is a sin, then what about Ephesians, right? Chapter 4, verse 26. This is, this is a place where many people will go. And it says, in your anger, um, do not sin. So it seems to imply that you can be angry and not sin, right? Because it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Every reference other than Ephesians 4.26, which is positive but not really all that positive, you'll see in a little bit, every other reference to anger in the New Testament is negative. It is not a positive thing. It is not a good thing for those who call themselves followers of Christ. We also think uh, maybe depending on the church background you grew up in and how, how uh, kind of bubbly, but like how your preacher preacher sometimes TV preachers appear to be angry, and it shows how righteous they are. Look how angry they are about sin. and oh. So sometimes we think my anger is righteous anger, and it shows how spiritual I am or how righteous I am. Look how much I care because I am so angry. Sometimes we, we can rationalize our anger that way. It's a righteous anger. My anger is deserved. It is, um, it's not the right word, but it's, uh, you know what I mean. It's, it's justified. Thank you, right? So those are some excuses. Also, well, Jesus was angry, and we are followers of Jesus, right? And many people look to the example uh, when, in the temple when Jesus overturned the tables. So, I mean, he was so furious, and he's so angry, and look what happened uh, there. But actually, uh, that account is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's listed there. And uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't talk all, at all about Jesus' inner, inner emotions or his inner life. We don't know what he's thinking. Only John says something about zeal. Like, uh, consume for my father's house. Zeal for my father's house will me. But there's a better example. If we want to talk about Jesus getting angry, and that's Mark chapter 3. So can we look at Mark chapter 3 together? Verses 1 to 6. This is a better example because it actually tells us very explicitly Jesus was angry. Not, maybe he was angry when he was overturning the tables, but it doesn't explicitly tell us that, but this does. So let's look at Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. We're looking at this because sometimes we justify our anger by saying, well, God gets angry or Jesus gets angry, so it's okay to get angry. So let's look at this one. I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched, he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. 
Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So let's look at this. Jesus very explicitly is described as being angry. What is he angry about? Here's a group of people, and here's a man who is in need with a shriveled hand. God loves this man. God also loved the Jesus loved this, this man with the shriveled hand. Jesus also loved the Pharisees. But the Pharisees were more concerned about following certain rules. They had more love for, for their, their rules or their, the way it was supposed to be rather than um, for this man. And Jesus was at them was frustrated, what does it say, at their stubbornness. Deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Other translations will say frustrated. So he was upset that these people weren't caring. for. They didn't have any love for this man. Jesus felt compassion on this man and felt love for this man. He was deeply distressed by the Pharisees and their rule-keeping and how they were putting these rules above this love for this man. And so, uh, so Jesus, instead of just getting angry and raising his arms and yelling at them, he just healed the man. Uh, right in front of them, uh, on the Sabbath, to show um, that the Sabbath was, was not made for, um, just to put things in proper perspective, and he was angry at the injustice, he was angry at people's treatment of other people. So if our anger is directed toward injustice, then that, that's a good anger. There's a quote, I think, in your notes, a little bit further down, it says, anger when it's holy, because when it's good, when it's a holy emotion, uh, has justice at its object and love as its root. So even God's anger comes out of his love. It is hard to accept um, a God who is only loving but never gets angry. When you see stuff that's happening in this world, the, the way that people are treated sometimes, and when people who have power and they treat people who don't have power, they take advantage of them and awful things happen. How can you not get angry at those sort of things if you are a God who loves because God is a God of love, he gets angry at these things when people are not loving one another and they are not loving um, God. So when it's a holy emotion, it has justice as its object and love as its root. It stems from love and it's toward justice. Our anger, though, is not often anger because we're concerned about the injustices on other people. It might be sometimes, but often our anger is about something else. It's uh, stemming from our selfishness. Maybe our pride has been wounded or we're not getting what we felt we deserved. And these are not the same things as, as is described when God gets angry. Let's look at God's anger a little bit more. God's anger is an expression of his love. Uh, one of the songs we sang, it talked about this too, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This phrase is repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, many, many times. The Lord is compassionate, and gracious, and he is slow to anger. So yes, God gets angry, but not very quickly. He's very slow to anger. When this was first revealed in the scriptures in Exodus, this was God kind of giving himself a self-introduction to his people. These are God's words to his people. It wasn't mediated through the prophets. It wasn't, it was just God speaking directly. I, the Lord, I am the Lord. I am compassionate. And gracious. These are direct words from God. This is describing who he is. He is slow to anger. You can see in your notes many other passages where these are repeated over and over again. God does get angry. He's angry at sin. He's angry at injustices. He's angry when um, 
people basically, does Jesus summed up the whole law, love God, love others. When that's not happening, it arouses Jesus' ang- God's anger. But he is slow to anger, and his anger is directed at the sin. So how about our anger? You've heard of the seven deadly sins. Some people call them seven capital sins or um, seven, uh, um, whatever they're called, vices. Um, Throughout church history, there's sometimes been seven, there's sometimes been eight. Anger, rage is always one of them. Anger is classified as one of the seven deadly sins. Um, Another, um, instead of saying deadly, some people have called it capital sins. Capital meaning coming from, from the head. Out of that, so many other sins, so these, all of these seven deadly sins, all these seven cap, capital sins have all these deadly roots that come out from it. So, for example, anger, and out of anger there, there comes resentment, and then there's also bitterness, and there's also rage, and as it festers, it grows into maybe even murder or killing or wishing that people were killed. So this is why it's called a capital sin. Anger has so many other sins that just come out of it. And remember, this world is not the way it's supposed to be. Part of the reason is because of our anger. Our anger doesn't just, it's not one of those things that just stays dormant. It festers and it grows. We're not taking care of it. It grows into other nasty things, as I just mentioned. Ephesians 4.31, Colossians 3.8, Corinthians 12.20 all talk about this. There's resentment, there's bitterness, um, Hostility, strife, etc. Anger is uh, very spiritually dangerous because it is the root of so many other nasty things that fester and actually are contagious to the people around us as well. At best, anger is, is sin, but at its worst, anger is the root of so many other uh, nasty things that do not represent loving God or loving others. Often, we respond in anger in one of three ways. We externalize the anger in hurtful language, and we get angry, so we, we say things to hurt someone else, right? That's one of the ways some of us may do that. Others, maybe we uh, externalize it in more subtle ways, maybe um, passive, aggressive remarks or sarcasm, or you know, we're, we still externalize it, but it's, we're a little more sneaky about it. Or some of us internalize the anger. We keep it inside, and it becomes resentment. And all of these, however we respond to sin, all of these are expressions of sin. The last thing I want to say before we look at some of these passages is that no one causes us to be angry. That's something that I say, so I imagine that you might say that too. Well, it's his fault. He made me angry by doing this. You know, she, she did this, so it's her fault. I'm justified in my anger, right? That's not actually true. No one causes me to get angry. What causes me to get angry is is my pride or my selfishness. And so when someone says something, it hurts my pride, so I get angry. So really, it's it's because I'm proud or I'm I'm selfish, and so I wanted that. No, they got so, see, they made me angry. No, they didn't. It comes from something inside. And so maybe you've noticed that in other people, in your workplaces or, or in your neighbors, that, well, that really set them off. Like, I don't know what it was. But usually there's something else going on in their lives, or it's uh, another symptom of sin they haven't dealt with. You didn't actually make them angry. It was their own selfishness or their own pride or, or something. Or maybe they just have so much going on in their family and they just take it out on you. 
because you're the closest ones there. That's usually often what we do too, right? We take it out on people closest to us. Often our anger is directed at those we love the most, in our families, in close relationships, or even in the church. If we don't care about people so much, oh, whatever. But often our anger is directed toward those we care for the most, ironically. So let's look at James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20 to start, and then we'll look at Ephesians. James chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. You might notice here a, uh, an echo of the earlier revelation of God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. James says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to what? Become angry. Are you quick to become angry? James says, no, that should not be. We should be slow to become angry. Why? Because, this is important, human anger, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Not God's anger, we're talking about human anger. You're getting angry. Maybe, like I have heard preachers, they seem to be angry when they're preaching. I think, okay, stop. Let's read this. Okay, your anger isn't producing the righteousness that God desires, so stop it. This is why we should be slow to anger. It's not producing what God desires. You know, sometimes we think um, if people are angry at us or they're making a judgment, right, what do we say? Well, who are you, God? Like, it's as if they're acting like God. And anger is often the emotion that is related to uh, judgment, which is God's to do, not ours. So it's like if you're anger, if you're judging someone in anger, it's like you're sitting on God's throne. But if we say to God, you know, what, what do you, you know, God is angry. Yes, he can be angry. He's God. Like, who are you, God? Yes, I am. So God is angry. He's at sin, angry towards the sin. He's angry towards those injustices and all that sort of stuff. But when we get angry, it's like we're kind of acting like God putting ourselves in his place. We know best that so we can make these judgment calls. Whatever it is, our anger is not going to produce the righteousness that God desires. So we need to be slow to anger. Now, Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. This is the one, the only passage that you can go to if you want to justify your anger. None of the other passages have any, any... Um, loopholes for you to justify your anger, but this one does. So let's look at this one. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. It says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Okay, that's why it makes it sound like we can, we can sin but not, uh, we can be angry but not sin. Right? In your anger, don't sin. Uh, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So it, it may be kind of saying, you know, if you're angry, just, just, it's okay to be angry, just don't sin. But then right away, it says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Like, don't go to bed tonight still angry, because it is so spiritually dangerous. Even this, even the, the scripture passage that might be used to justify your anger, it's kind of, a, still, it's not all that positive, but it's like, right away, get rid of it, like, stop it. Don't let it sit there. 
deal with it immediately. Don't go to sleep at night, which doesn't mean you stay up all night because I don't want to deal with it. You know, you're going to pull an all-nighter. No, it means right away, as soon as you can, get rid of it. Stop the anger because, as James said, it's not producing God's righteousness anyways. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do you realize what anger does? It's giving the devil a foothold into your life. It gives him a loophole to get in. Anger turn into rage and bitterness and resentment, and then, and then you're being passive-aggressive, and you're like making snide remarks and comments, and, it's just, and it just tears apart a community or a family, right? Don't do that. Anger gives the devil a foothold into your family or into your church or in your life, even at your workplace. So this, you can try to use this to justify your anger, but just keep reading the rest of the passage. In your anger, don't sin, but don't let it fester. Stop it immediately. Don't give the devil a foothold. This is anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Right? We understand, yeah, that makes sense, right? So why don't we also think the same about how anger is dealt with, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he talks about anger again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. That sounds like God's self-introduction again, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So as soon as possible, get rid of that anger. Now, we may actually, at times, have actual righteous anger. When we are angry at the injustices in the world, not, not because it's hurt our pride or our selfishness or whatever, and that is the same kind of anger. That would be righteous anger. We are, we are angry at the injustices. We are angry that um, some people don't even have food or like running water, like basic needs while we do. Or we're angry that um, the way children may be treated in certain situations, that's, that's fair. Okay, that is righteous anger. And if we are loving people, we'll get angry at injustices. But we have to be really careful as human beings that is not, um, that that is actually righteous anger. We need to take that to, is it fair? Is this right? Or am I being angry because of something inside of me that I haven't dealt with? So I just wanted to say those things before we get to the end. So what do we do? Because we all get angry, right? That's why you understand our set free retreats. We're like, okay, you know what? Just check this off. Let's all confess together. You know, we get angry, probably getting angry at the people we love the most. It's, it's, it's just one of those things. You need to just acknowledge it and, and say, yes, my anger is sin. It's not justified. No one caused me to get angry. It's not their fault. I'm angry because of my undealt sin that I've not dealt with, because I'm selfish, because I'm proud. I don't want people to see me as who I really am. Because what you just did broke through my false facade, right? Acknowledge it. Remember, God is for you. He's forgiving, and he's compassionate. And if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you. 
So let's do that. Acknowledge it. Call it sin. Confess it. Repent and receive God's forgiveness. The next thing that I'd like you to do is to ask why. Like, what is the, where is this coming from? What is the source of my anger? And it might be because you're proud, because that's often the case. So you need to confess your pride. Maybe it's because you're selfish. Don't blame your anger on someone else. Like, what is it? What, why did that make me so angry? Why did that fill me? Why did I react that way? And ask God and his spirit to reveal to you, what is that? Because it's something else. It's not them. It's you. People don't make you angry. Something inside is what makes you angry. And then get rid of it. Quickly. Deal with it. Confess it. Repent. Ask God to give you the strength to forgive the person who hurts you or the person whom you're angry at. And if you hurt someone and you're angry, if, you are, if you're one of those kinds that you externalize it and you hurt people, then make amends. Just go to the person and say, I'm sorry. I, I was angry and it wasn't right and I hurt you, so please forgive me. Those are really, really powerful words. In, not even in a Christian setting, like even in non-Christian settings. And then it's up to them if they want to forgive you. Some people may hold on and say, no, I'm never forgiving you. That's on them. Acknowledge it. Call it sin. Confess it. Find out why. What is the source of this? Where is this coming from? And then if you hurt someone, deal with, deal with it. Just say, I'm sorry. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't mean what I said. I said it out of anger. Seek forgiveness. And then hand it over to God. Say, God, help me. Uh, I get angry. I'm an angry person. And it's not right. And it's going to become uh, more part of your character and your personality. Grudges, resentment, bitterness, none of that produces God's righteousness. And can you admit that maybe the world is not the way it's supposed to be, partly because of someone's anger or people's anger, because they felt wronged, and so they've attacked back, or there's something inside of them that they, they, they don't feel right about, so they have to make themselves feel better by belittling other people. So sometimes the way the world is, which is wrong, is partly our fault. So let's deal with this. This is the center of Christianity, right? Forgiveness, Jesus dying on the cross, being raised to life. He's ascended to live in heaven. And so we are going to celebrate uh, that fact. Uh, and we're going to celebrate forgiveness. And so the worship team will come up. And I'll pray. The worship team will come up. And then uh, let's pray. And uh, let's confess. Let's receive forgiveness. And then let's celebrate that by eating and drinking and commemorating that time when um, Jesus did die on the cross, and also the time in the future when everything will be the way uh, it is supposed to be. And I also want to encourage you afterwards, we'll ask people to come forward if you like prayer for, for healing. And um, there have been um, several people who have been healed recently in, in our congregation, and some happened over the set free, or sorry, the Holy Spirit encounter weekend. Uh, some was just recently when we were praying with people up front. Um, and so and one person at the Holy Spirit encounter said he was um, there in a group of three, and this, uh, um, one of the, the lists of sins, there was death wish. And this person said, I have permission to share this. So uh, the person said, oh, death wish. I think I should confess that. I really don't want to. Um, but the person did. 
They'd wished that they were dead. They had a death wish on themselves. And they, they prayed through the prayer as they were led to the Holy Spirit encounter. And this person has said, um, I didn't want to share right away because I, it was immediate, but it's been a month now. And he says, my depression is way better than it's ever been. And I don't have those thoughts anymore. He says, it's like there's a floor on the top of my head. These thoughts come and they just bounce off. So he's been, there's that kind of healing as well. Someone else at our Holy Spirit encounter, actually Karen, she said, care of this, and I don't know all the details, but you can talk to her. Her elbow was healed as we were praying. She felt uh, tingly, like a corkscrew kind of emotion. She, uh, uh, feeling she shared that at our Holy Spirit encounter, and, and she was healed. And just recently, uh, we have a couple, sometimes people come up to the front, and, and uh, one person was um, uh, a mother who, uh, her situation has changed, and so she really needed work, like right now, and it had to be daytime, and it had to be full-time, because... Um, she needs to support her family, and she has children who are in And uh, so she just finished her first week of full-time work uh, this week. So, and someone else, that same day, uh, we prayed for them, and, and their leg was healed. So um, I just want to encourage you, uh, after you've confessed your sin, received communion, there will be some of us up here that are ready to pray, and if you would like to, to um, be prayed for, and if you'd like to pray for me, then uh, come on up to the front. Let me pray, and then we'll sing uh, one verse of this song. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. And, um, you know, these things that, uh, that so weigh us down, the sin, uh, for example, our anger or other things, it's not that big of a deal to you, is it? You've already dealt with that. Thank you for dealing with them. That's just so huge. Allow us, Lord, the freedom to confess that to you, to receive your forgiveness, and to be filled with joy because of that. And allow us to pass that on to others as well. God, you are a good God. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being powerful, and thank you for being forgiving and compassionate and kind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.